0: You are listening to Agent Court Church's audio podcast. For more information on Agent Court Church, including service times, how to connect, and campus locations, please visit our website at onechurch.to. Well, how many are ready to get some wisdom about friends? How do you know if someone's really a friend? How do you know that they're, like, I mean, is it just a matter of, okay, I know they're my friend because I accepted them on Facebook? Or, I linked with them on LinkedIn. Is it, is you know, interesting to study uh, about friendships for you, that they find that social media, and when you think about it, you, you'll, you'll track with me, social media has expanded the definition of friendship, spread it around, so so many more are your friends. But watch this, they've also diluted it. It's almost like anybody can just be a friend. What is a friend? How many, when you go to move from uh, an apartment to a condo, you find out who your friends are? You know what I'm saying? When you, you need a ride to the airport in rush hour traffic, you find out who your friends are. You know, there's, there's a cost involved. When you're going through a really tough trial in your life, you find out who your friends are. Hardship reveals friendship. It's when someone, there's a cost involved, more than just clicking on a computer. Uh, when someone's going to be there for you for more than just, you know, when it's convenient for them to have a conversation. Uh, and so we, we, we find out that um, in this wisdom series that we're in this summer, that in the worst time of Job's life, the worst time of his life, He finds out who his friends are not, but he finds out who his friends are too, in a way. It's sort of confusing, but we'll get to that. Because Job, when he goes through a trial, ends up with a whole new category that we have come to identify as friends. A label that is given to a type of friend who is just sort of there for you, sort of. Um, you need to back up if you were not here last week when we began this wisdom series, and we realized that, that Job had a trial where he could not even see the purpose of the trial. How many? Of you, we can have trials where we can say, "Oh, I'm going through this. I'm going deeper. I'm developing character." James talks about those kinds of trials, James in the Bible. And then we can have a trial like Joseph experienced in the Old Testament of the Bible, where he went through this, he went through that, all those lousy scenarios he went through, those lousy life experiences, and it ended up putting him in a position Where he could say, oh, that's why that happened. So I can minister to others. Job's trial is not like James or Joseph. He doesn't even know what the purpose of the trial is. Chapter 1 of Job. He gets four messages. Pulls out his phone for the first one. It says, your livestock's dead. Buzzes again. Your camels are stolen. Buzz number three. Message number three. Your servants are dead. Then he gets the fourth most tragic message, your seven sons and three daughters are dead. How many of know the next time the phone buzzed, he didn't even answer? He knew what it was going to say. Job, you're dead. You know what I mean? Just, just, just every time, just what, what a tragic extreme trial. And what do his friends do? His friends show up. I hope you never have this happen. Your friends show up, and it makes the trial even worse. These are the kinds of friends that end up getting that, that label. Uh, you, you may have heard of it. It's found its way into at least the English language. Friends who are Job's comforters. Yeah, so so I, I googled it just to see how, you know, is it still used today, that expression, Job's comforters. Here's the, at the top of the list was this definition. A person who aggravates distress under the guise of giving comfort. You're already having a lousy time, and this person comes along and makes it worse. Job's comforter. Job's friends kept insisting in incessant speeches for over 30 chapters. It's like each of them took a turn at kicking Job while he was down. And then the next guy takes a turn at kicking. And and they're basically saying this in their own words, one after the other, all three friends, nine speeches, Job, in order to get hit with a doozy trial like this, you must have really done something wrong. You must have really. It sort of brings to mind Dionne Warwick's song, doesn't it? That's what friends are for. For good times and bad times, I'll be on your side forever. That's what friends are for. Have you ever had an encounter with a Job's comforter kind of friend? I remember this has happened more than once where I've had someone come to me about this, but let me refer to one in particular. A person was sick. They went to someone to pray for them. And when they were not instantly healed after that person prayed for them, that person told them, there must be sin in your life. Yeah, so they came with one problem they went away with. Two, you know, now they're not only sick, now they're on a guilt trip. And they came to me to talk to them about sorting it out. That, that's a Job's comforter. However, when I went right into a deep dive in the book of Job, guess what I found? Job's friends got two things right. They did. They got two things right. So we're going to look at the two things they got right. Then we're going to look at the four things they got wrong. <laughs> and then we're going to say, okay, God, what can we learn from this? What are 3 wisdomisms?" It's a wisdom series, right? <laughs> so what are three wisdoms, wisdom-isms that we can take into our friendships as we leave here? Now, how many are curious about what they got right? Do you know what they got right? Number one, they showed up. One celebrity after the other will say to us, you know, 80% of success is just showing up. <laughs> Well, they showed up. Eliphaz, Bildad, Zophar, when they heard about Job's extreme troubles, they met together, they traveled to Job to comfort him. So let's not just, you know, rush into itemizing what they got wrong. Let's, let's understand how much it means when someone shows up. Listen, listen to me. Don't you dare minimize the impact of your presence, when a friend is going through a tough time and all you do is show up, you're just there. I learned this in my, uh, uh, Pastor Richard was talking about being 29, I was even younger than that, so it must have been at least 20 years ago, and I i received a phone call at home, it was from one of our staff pastors in Edmonton, and he said, Pastor Keith, I, I've just heard got the news that my mom and dad, they were on their way to a church camp in the summer, it was right this time of year, and he said they they, they were both killed tragically and instantly in a car accident. He was just in total shock. And, and of course, I'm trying to think, how can I help? How can I help? I said, well, you know, because it was right on the way to where he was going to be traveling next. I said, if you want to drop by the house, Esther and I are here. You know, I I don't know what to say. I just... And, and, and all the time he's traveling to our house, I'm thinking, what can I say that would help? What can I say that would help? What are just some words from the Bible? There's something that would just, God, give me something to say that would help him. When Marvin Miller came through the door, I couldn't say a thing. I just threw my arms around him. And I remember he put his head on my shoulder and sobbed like a little boy. Sobbed understandably. Sobbed and sobbed. And I sobbed with him. I, I just from my heart i just could feel his pain. And Esther and and and, and Marvin's wife just joined in and we just I don't know how long we were there. I don't even know whether we ever said goodbye. Got on the road and of course, we help with others as well. But, you know, as recently as when I was out in B- B.C. not long ago, I mean, this guy, Marvin, every time he sees me, he says, Pastor Keith, you don't know. You'll never know how much you helped me that day. That's when the healing began, he tells me. Listen, dear one, don't minimize the impact that you can have just by, just by showing up, showing up they did something else right. They not only showed up, they risked getting involved. They actually risked getting involved. You see, when when someone goes through something like Job did, friends often say, I don't know how to respond. Have you ever had someone in your circle of friends, they've lost their job, maybe they lost their spouse, they lost a loved one, and you're saying, "I, I don't know how to respond, and so you do nothing. You just back away. It's just too awkward. You do not know how you can be helpful in that situation. Well, well, Job's friends at least risked getting involved. Chapter 2 says, When they showed up, they began to weep. They tore their clothes, which was an ancient expression of very deep grief. I care about what you're going through. I'm torn apart because of what you're going through. And how many know when someone is hurting... They don't need speeches or Christian cliches. What they need is for you to show up and to be there and say things like this I'm praying with you. Or I don't know what to say, but I just want you to know that I care about you. Just, just risking it. You know, some people say, well, I. I just don't know what to say, so I do not. Well, what about just, you know, getting some food ready and bringing it over? What about just, just letting someone through an email know that you're praying for them? Just take that risk of supporting them. Uh, Leo Biscaglia wrote this. He says, to laugh is to risk appearing a fool. To weep is to risk appearing sentimental. To reach out to another is to risk involvement. To expose your feelings is to risk exposing your true self. To place your ideas and dreams before a crowd is to risk their loss. To love is to risk not being loved in return. To live is to risk dying. To hope is to risk despair. To try is to risk failure, but risks must be taken because the greatest hazard in life is to risk nothing. The person who risks nothing, does nothing, has nothing, is nothing, he may avoid sorrow and suffering, but he cannot learn, feel, change, grow, or live, and can I add, will never be in a place where they will help someone else. Never be in that place. So they showed up. And there's now, listen, if they had just stuck with that, (laughs) that would have been good. But for the next 30 chapters, you know what they teach us? What not to do. (laughs) What not to say to a friend. There are four things that they get wrong. Here's, Here's the first of them. They talked before listening. They talked before listening. You see, Job had already explained, guys, I don't know why this trial is happening. I love God. I I live for him. I bring God into every area of my life. There's nothing outstanding that I know of in my relationship with God. I don't understand the purpose. And he opened up his heart to his friends about his loss and his confusion and about his pain. But it's like they didn't even hear what he said. Didn't hear a word he said. They already had their speeches made up. They had these long speeches, and by the time a fourth speechmaker, Elihu, contributes, they have dumped 13 increasingly self righteous and accusatory speeches on Job if they just had listened to Job. How many have ever discovered that the best way that you can help someone uh, sort out a trial they're going through is just to be there and ask questions? and to encourage God's way. Not, not to preach to them, sermonize to them, or put them down, but just to just ask questions. Point out God's way. Not to think that you know it all. It could have been North York Hospital down the road, but it was, uh, it was a hospital where a fellow was going to visit uh, a family member who was on one of the upper floors of the hospital. He got on the elevator. On the way up, the elevators doors open at another floor and on got this hospital employee, you know, with this official white cloak and North York written on it, and um and, and And dragging this great, big, sophisticated machine behind them with it had tubes and dials and gauges on it and 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 the guy that was going up to visit a patient on an upper floor wanted to just make small talk to the hospital employee, you know are they a doctor? who are they?" And so he did, he just said to them, he said he said, "Boy, I'd sure hate to be hooked up to that thing." And the hospital employee said, "So do I. It's a rug shampooer. you know it's just it's just Sometimes we just, we just jump the gun. That, that's what they did next. They presumed instead of discerning. That is, this is what it is. Job's friends already had their minds made up. They presumed this. Job, if you are suffering, obviously you did something to deserve it. Now, I need to be a balanced teacher here. How many know I can get myself into problems? And I can reap what I So, I can get myself, I can do dumb stuff that God says will damage me and and I will bear the consequences. In that case, I need to own my stuff, seek forgiveness, and uh, have restoration in my life. But that's not what's going on here for Job. You see, that, that was the one category they had. This is what must be happening. Their theology was rigid. And listen to me, their theology was incomplete. They spoke as if they had the final word. They presumed. We know what's going on with you, Job. They didn't discern. And this has been going on in the human race for centuries in human relationships. Do you remember when you come to John chapter 9 and the disciples and Jesus meet this man who was blind from birth? Do you remember the question the disciples asked? Listen, here's what they said. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, Jesus, who sinned? We got two categories to put it in Jesus, this man or his parents that he was born blind. You hear the rigid views that they have. And what does Jesus say? Neither, neither, neither this man nor his parents sinned, said Jesus, but this happened so that the works of God might be displayed in him. You see, they were presuming instead of discerning. Now, now, Job even points this out to his, uh, his, his friends with a good dose of satire. Listen to him. He says, Doubtless, you are the only people who matter, and wisdom will die with you. When he, he's saying, you, you, my three friends, obviously you think so much of yourselves. You think that when you die, wisdom is evaporated off the face of the planet. I mean, he, he confronted them. You see, to be a friend with someone, it doesn't mean that you don't speak the truth, but you do tell them the truth. But you don't presume. Our job is to discern. How many have found this to be true, that one of the most important things that you can do before you open up your mouth and you try and help someone is, listen to me, discern the need before you proceed. Discern the need before you proceed. Otherwise you'll be, you know, thinking a... A rug shampoo is a sophisticated, advanced technology, medical kind of a apparatus. What else did they do wrong? Well, they did not ask God for wisdom. I did not know this. I found this out as I began to study this teaching for you this week. It was a Bible commentator that pointed it out to me, that in the over 30 chapters of speeches, not once do Job's friends pray or ask God for wisdom. Now, isn't that something? Not one of them. They sort of like, we know the answers. We're speaking on behalf of God. We're not even going to ask him. You know, they're like that guy who said, God, you know, use me as you will. Even if it's just in an advisory capacity. (laughs) You know, I have all the answers. Watch this. Not once do they pray with Job or for Job. The only one who prays in all 42 chapters is guess who? Job, he prays for his family at the beginning daily. He brings God into every area of his life. When he experiences this extreme trial, he's saying, God... Why is this happening? Remember that 3D trial we saw last week? He doubts God's goodness. He demands an explanation. He gets desperate. And he spills it all out to God. You and I, if we have read the Bible, we know the best place to go in the Bible when we're going through a really tough trial is the book of Psalms. Because David, King David, will cry out to God and say, God, why are these bad guys getting all the good stuff? And I'm a good guy and I'm getting bad stuff. He just pours his heart out to God. He lets God know exactly how he feels. That's that's exactly what Job does as well. You know, many times I've said to my wife, Esther, when we're praying about a problem, I'll say, isn't it something, sweetheart, that when we pray about the problem, that's often when God's wisdom comes. You'll just hear yourself praying praying the answer, the direction that you should go. You know, sometimes it's like, This is wrong. Don't go that direction. Sometimes this is right, and you have a peace about it. And so, that's another thing that they did. They didn't even ask God for wisdom. And then, fourth, they made it all about themselves. They focused, watch this, they focused on their experiences, their views, and their opinions. Have you ever gone through someone, uh, have you ever gone through something, and someone comes by, and they just make it worse? and they spend half an hour doing it, <laughs> they just go on. A matter of fact, I was talking about this last night, and, uh, and uh, I met a guy, one of the professionals, been here for years at the church, and um, he said to me, he said, you know, he had this medical condition, and his doctor asked him to wear this uh, band to work. I, I don't, didn't even ask him what it was about. Um, But he had to wear it to work. He said, I wore it to work for a few days, and then I stopped. I said, what happened? He said, because everybody that came by my office said, what are you wearing that for? And as soon as I would tell them, they went on for the next while telling me about their medical problems. (laughs) On and on. I said, I wasn't getting any work done, so I stopped wearing the band. I don't know if you've ever had that happen where you're, you're hurting and, and someone comes by and say, well, what I did when I experienced that is I did this and then I did that, and then I think if you did this and you did that, you'd probably have the same outcome. as and Then you'd be able to tell someone else to, that you did this and you did that, and then you could be exactly as irritating as I am right now for you. Reminds me of this uh, young man that was trying to impress this girl and... And he, and he thought he'd really just level with her about how he felt about her. And so he said, you know, you, you are such a good friend to me that if we were sinking on a ship, the ship was going down and there was only one life jacket, I'd miss you a lot. And I'd, I'd remember you, I'd think of you often, you know. Listen, listen, 2,000 people were asked what were the main reasons that they would ever delete someone on Facebook. Three top reasons. Number one, excessive bragging, attention-seeking, excessive selfies. And everyone on Facebook said, you know what I'm saying? (laughs) It's people who make it all about themselves. Now, imagine if Job's comforters had just followed what the Apostle Paul wrote to the Christians to do in their church family in Ephesus. Here's what he asked them to do. He said, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is? For building according to their needs, that it may benefit. Not, it's not about you. It's about others. Saying what builds up, what comforts, what helps, others if only Job's friends had to follow that Job's friends started out so well they showed up they risked getting involved if they had just listened before they talked if they had just discerned the need before they proceeded if they had just asked God for wisdom just summers along the way God what would you want us to say here Help us to know what would be right for Job. No, they just had their own views and just wanted to restate them in all kinds of different ways. They made it, what if, what if they had made it about helping Job? Now, what does God think about this? What does God think about what Job's trial is about? Well, we saw that last week. I'll remind you in a minute. But what did God think about all these speeches by Job's friends? Last weekend, in the first teaching from Job regarding trials, we saw that when God finally breaks the silence, what does he do? First, he takes Job on a virtual tour, shows him outer space, then shows him the animal kingdom and says, look, look, look Job, you know, my ways are higher than your ways. My thoughts are higher than your thoughts. And Job never does get an answer. He just gets the answerer. And he's satisfied with that. We saw that last weekend. But, but, but God does something else. Watch this. He sets the record straight for Job's friends. When, when God shows up, he says this. After the Lord had said these things to Job, you know, took him on that virtual tour, he said to Eliphaz the Temanite, I almost said Terminite, anyway, the Temanite, I am angry with you and your two friends because you have not spoken the truth about me as my servant Job has. My servant Job will pray for you and I will accept his prayer and not deal with you according to your folly. That means foolishness, your foolish speeches. You have not spoken the truth about me as my servant Job has. All right, so what wisdom are we going to take from what we've seen The friends who got, you know, the two things they got right, the four things they got wrong. What is the wisdom that we're going to take when we leave here into our friendships? I want to give you three wisdomisms, okay? It's a wisdom literature series, right? So, we need to have wisdomisms before we leave. Here, here's, 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 because friends, listen, dear one, friendships are so important. I know I tell our young people when they go back to school and when they have free time in the summer, I'll tell them choose your friends so very carefully. Because so many times it's what happens in those, you know, childhood and teen and young adult years and the friends that we have there that impact, not just, listen to me, not just impact, but shape our lives. Because who we hang out with determines our activities and what we're thinking about. It just, as a man thinks, so easy. You just become like that. So it's so important. So I will tell uh, kids all the time, listen, you choose friends that will respect you. And if they don't respect your standards and they're trying to get you to do activities and stuff that you know does damage and is not good for you, and it's not good for your relationship with God, and they're trying to get you to do that, how many know they're not respecting you? and they are, are not to be in the category of your friends. You love everyone, but you choose your friends. You choose your friends, because so, they have such an impact on our life. But Harvard University did a study where they show us that even as adults, the, the, the physical health, mental health, the longevity, listen to this, we have, if we have good healthy friendships, we have better cognitive functioning, so there's mental health benefits. Social support of friendships, they, it lowers your blood pressure. Your adrenal glands pump out less. Corticosteroids. Now, Esther told me, she was here last night, and she's here again this morning, she said, no, 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 here's how you pronounce that, because she works in the medical world. I've had, I don't know how many medical people from the 9 o'clock service correct me, but I like the way I say it. (laughs) Because it's like a double layer of meaning. Listen to this. corticosteroids. (laughs) If your adrenal glands are producing them, it's going to cost you something. (laughs) (laughs) So we need wisdom. And so before we pray, here are the three wisdomisms that I invite you to take with you into your friendships. The first one is this. Watch this, and you'll recognize. I've said this to you before, but listen, it also works in the arena of friendships. Do not try to find in friendships what can only be found in God right on? I mean, some of you learned that. Job sure did. If, listen, if Job's only source of strength and encouragement had been his friends, how high would his blood pressure have gone? How many corticosteroids would his adrenal glands have pumped out? You know what I'm saying? How would the book ever have ended? I mean, with friends like these who needs enemies. Now, what saved Job? What saved Job? He didn't try to find in those friends what could only be found in God. He didn't even expect his friends to come up with the kind of perfection and wisdom that would only come from God. You see, human friendships, however good your friends are, and however well intended they are, they have limitations. How many know they have incomplete theologies, inadequate answers, and insufficient wisdom? But you have a God who you can look to that gets them all done perfectly. God, I look to you. You're where my help comes from. Give me wisdom. You know just what to do. Right on? So, so, so important. Don't put that burden on the friendships in your life. They do not have what it takes. Only God has what it takes to give you perfect wisdom. Don't try and find in friends what can only be found in God. Here's the second wisdomism. Keep your heart clean toward friends that get it wrong. Did Job do that? Yeah, I'm going to show you. I'm going to show you. But let's, let's first of all think of how, if he just responded. 30 chapters, 30 plus chapters of accusatory speeches from these guys. When he's down, they just keep kicking him. You know, he says this. He tells them the truth. He says, here's a quote from Job. He says to his friends, how long will you torment me? And break me in pieces with your words. How many know he's forthright? He's straightforward. He's being honest with his friends about what they are doing to him. But watch how Job reacts when God shows up and corrects his friends. Does he say, I told you guys, I'm right. You guys are wrong. God, get them real good. If my trial was like this, can't wait to see what they got coming to them. No, that's not Job. Here it is. Say aloud with me the words I've highlighted for you. After Job had prayed for his friends. A lot of people, they like this part. They know this part. The Lord restored his fortunes and gave Job twice as much as he had before. They know that. No, look what led to that. After Job had prayed for his friends. Didn't pray against them. Didn't pray about them. He prayed for he, he was on there. He wanted God's best in their lives too. How many know the, those closest to us can hurt us the mostest? Tweet that one. <laughs> but listen, if Jesus is so clear, if you don't forgive the people that hurt you, you're going to end up being the one that suffers and is shaped by that hurt. It's when you forgive them that you free up your future to go on and say, with or without those friends, I can move freely to be the kind of friend that God wants me to be. It's the only way you're going to get there. Job had to have this detachment kind of a thing where he just says, okay, guys, I'm not going to expect you to be what only God is. And then he reaches out with forgiveness. You know, I've told you before that you're not ready to go and make things right with someone until you've decided in your heart before you even get there You've decided your heart before the Lord that you're going to forgive them. That you're going to have a clean heart. You're going to do your best to restore them. Job had to forgive them. For what? Well, for talking before they even listened to him. For accusing him for stuff that he hadn't even done. For presuming before discerning. For making it all about themselves. How many are in this room today, and as we move in a few moments towards our prayer time, you've got someone that was a friend... And there's a resentment there, and you need to forgive them. You need to free yourself up to get on to living in what God wants you to live in. You need to do that. Keep your heart clean toward friends that get it wrong. And then, I tried to summarize it here. Watch this. Listen till you understand. Pray till you discern. Then say what actually helps. So biblical, so Jesus, so what Paul teaches the church family to do. As a matter of fact, a lot of you will know this verse from Galatians 6. We quote it. We know it very well. Bear one another's burdens and in doing so fulfill the law of Christ. What's the law of Christ? He says, Jesus said, you only have to know one law. He breaks it down into two laws. He says, love God with all your heart and love your Neighbors yourself. If you love God, you're not going to do stuff that hurts him. And if you love people, you're not going to steal from them, commit adultery with them. You're not going to be unfaithful with them. You're not going to slander them. You're, 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 if you love people, you're going to only do what is good for those people. And so, I paraphrased. Um, let's first of all look at how Peterson paraphrases in the Message Bible Galatians. And then we'll look at uh, Smitty's paraphrase in closing. All right? Look at this. Here's how Peterson in the Message Bible paraphrases Galatians 6. Stoop down and reach out to those who are oppressed. Think of if Job's friends had have taken that when they went to see him, when they showed up and risked being involved. How? Share their their burdens. And so complete Christ's law. Christ's law is to love. If you think you are too good for that, You are badly deceived. Now, what have we seen this morning? If we put this into Smitty's paraphrase from what we've seen in Job, it would be what? Stoop down and reach out. Okay, show up and get involved (laughs) to the oppressed. Share their burdens. How do we do that? What about listening till you understand, praying until you say it, pray until you discern what is really going on here, and then you can say what actually helps. That's sharing one another's burdens. And so complete Christ's law. That means you're operating in love. If you think you are too good for that, you are one of Job's comforters. (laughs) And how many say, I don't want to be one of those kind of friends. Now, how many are here, and as we move into our prayer time, you're saying, you know, God, there's at least one or two things there that I can change in the way I do friendship going forward or god there's someone that i just need to say i I, I forgive and i'm going to move on into expecting perfection only from you and i'm going to i'm going to forgive and i'm going to move on with greater freedom because of this teaching time in this service this morning let's pray about this together let's pray first of all thank you god for the way that you treat us thank you that you call us friends, and you listen to us. You only say, Jesus, what is good for us, what is best for us. Thank you for your wisdom. Lord, help us to be a better friend to others, to treat them the way that you treat us. Help us to stay clear of uh, those things that Job's comforters did, and to be a, be a friend that listens, that is wise, That discerns and that prays Lord I pray you'll help especially our young people just to choose friends choose friends that will respect their relationship with you even if they don't agree with it that's all right but at least respect it and Lord help us to not expect uh, perfection from our friends to not try and find in them what we can only find in you but to forgive Forgive people, maybe who, with good or not so good intentions, have hurt us. We, we, we can take this moment right now to say, God, we, we, we forgive. You forgive us for the silly stuff we do to you sometimes, and we can forgive others even as you have forgiven us. And in our lifetimes, Lord, help us to leave here as well valuing our friends, being very thankful for those that are faithful to us, to pray for us, and to give us godly wisdom, and to support us, to care for us in tough times. But Lord, we're in church, and we're free to say, There is no one as faithful as you. We can find in you what we cannot find in any earthly friend, however close and godly they are. And we thank you that you always get it right. And that you are faithful to us you've never let us down yet and you never will lord thank you for being that friend that is closer to us than any blood flesh relative ever could be you're the friend that sticks closer than a brother thank you for being that friend. make sure you don't miss a message by subscribing to this podcast all creative content and production for this podcast is provided by the one church creative team